going to VAR. They're checking. <laughs> hey, Connie. Check complete. Let's head over to the bar. Hello, listeners, and welcome to episode 113 of the Varbar podcast. My name is Jake. I am your resident Chelsea fan and part-time host. Once again, I've got the absolute pleasure of hosting these boys. Let's hear from the lads today. Give it up for Drew. Yes, sir. And Prez. Hello, hello, hello. And finally, Toast. Out here, out here. Oh, boys, boys, it was a it was a cracking the, final. The, the ops are sounding chirpy, eh, man? Chesty. Normal. Well, I tell you what, Drew, you've hinted right at it. We have to jump straight into it. It's arguably, if not the biggest game in football. It was the Champions League final on the weekend. The Heritage final, some were calling it. Liverpool versus Hala Madrid. Um Obviously, we're going to go into the game in all the detail that we usually do for you listeners. But unfortunately, first, we do have to talk about the pre-game. Kickoff was unfortunately delayed over 30 minutes due to what UEFA, that corrupt organisation, initially blamed on the Liverpool fans being out of control, being riotous. However, social media worked its charm, essentially, showed off that, quite simply put, that was an abhorrent accusation in my viewpoint. French authorities had zero control over proceedings. We're hearing now, a couple of days later, that local French gangs were ruthlessly, ruthlessly sorry, pickpocketing Liverpool fans. There was over 60 arrests made on the day. Stewards had stopped checking tickets at about half six our time. So we still had an hour and a half left to go to the game. And unfortunately, both pepper spray and tear gas were deployed on the Liverpool fans that affecting older people, young kids, possibly going to their first ever Liverpool game. Um, Drew, I want to say you had the pleasure of being in Paris on the day, but given what I've just said, like I'm just glad that as your friend you weren't, you didn't have to suffer that. But yeah. if you can, like, just talk us about how you're feeling as a Liverpool fan, what your fellow fans had to actually suffer through on the day. Yeah, I mean, I was telling Kenneth when, um, yeah, when we were back in the hotel, like, thank God for you, man, because you know that I was planning to be all amongst it. I was, I was happy to join the gang, the just everything, the wahala that was going on over there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I was just happy, boy, but I didn't know it was gonna, you know, end up the way it ended up, uh, with pepper spray, with, um, uh, local French people um, actually coming there in, in hundreds. There was actually a lot of them as well. And when we, when me and Kenneth were leaving like the city, uh, yeah, there was a bunch of them grouping up, planning to probably go to Saint-Denis uh, where the stadium is. It's just like outside, like outside of Paris. Um, so yeah, um, in regards to like the whole day and before everything, like the fan zones and that, it was like good vibes in Paris all across the board. Um, this was not something that um, we foresaw. Uh, the fan zone where the Liverpool fans were allocated for was like outside the city centre. Uh, we got a bigger allocation than the Real Madrid fans and everything, everything there looked all good. We went back to the city. Everything looked all good. Uh, French locals, all of them were supporting Liverpool. Um, so, you know, the vibes were good up until like six o'clock. 
that's where we felt like okay yeah there's there's a different set of people roaming around the streets um trying to take advantage of things um but yeah that didn't necessarily stop me from still wanting to be in the stadium and and you know there was even like liverpool fans you know the whole fake fake ticket thing um as well it's like you know like we have to be honest that that was happening as well but the French authorities were saying that what were they saying? Like there was four, like four thousand fake tickets, or hundred. Like there was more fake tickets basically than real tickets that went into the stadium. That's obviously that's cap. What they have to basically what they have to say is like you didn't let people that had that paid big money that had you know genuine intentions. You didn't let these people um, go in. You let your own people go in. The stewards let their own people go in. It, whoever spoke French, they just let them go in without even like double checking anything and yeah i feel sorry for those you know for those fans like for for those liverpool fans like you said young and old um people that you know that old especially old we spoke to a few old fans as well that came to this game because they went to the first one when we beat madrid was also in paris um so this was kind of like a what do you call it like a yeah like a sort of anniversary for them um and, and most of them didn't get in it was peak, man. Um, like I said, man, I thank God that uh, Kenna had a bit of too, uh, too much wine. Um, he <laughs> fell asleep at the bar. He fell asleep at the hotel. We ended up watching the game um, at the hotel. So, um, yeah, we weren't part parts of anything, man. Yeah, like I'm, I'm glad to hear that. Like, Perez, obviously, we're all rival fans of one another. We all love to give each other barbs. But just the treatment of Liverpool fans, like, that really got to me. Like, I'll be honest. I don't know if you heard the stories, but like of the Liverpool fans that couldn't make it because of this fake bus company founded by Richard Arlison or something like that. <laughs> that, that was funny. That, <laughs> that, that was, was funny. legitimately funny. But like hearing that, that obviously crossed line. And I think as well, like especially for a fan base like Liverpool, where the Hillsborough disaster still hearts, still pulls on your heartstrings to this day. Like. Mm what what were your makings of it like because I, I was hearing as well like what drew said like mm. there were bribes going about like just for me like that really that that made me look negatively on football like i'm now looking at it as if i don't really want to go that much anymore to games because yeah. that's just such an extreme example but like paris is lawless though but <laughs> like mm. paris that is city it's it's a it, it, it can be a very lawless place. Pickpocket so, is rife in that city as well. So yeah, and it smells of piss. Sorry, I'm not pickpocketing robberies. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, bro. So you, you just you just have to be careful. That's all. But yeah, Chris, go on, man. Yeah, Sorry. just just to to uh, answer Drake's question and and to take it back a step as well, just to Kenna being the. The, I guess the voice of reason. That's not something, especially yeah. in situations like that. You <laughs> don't hear that often. Bro, so. Even before, before <laughs> that, he was saying, "Nah, don't do it." Even before that, bro. Imagine was, that, bro. There were boys coming up to me saying, "Yeah, we're gonna, we're, we're just gonna go, we're just gonna run up into the stadium." Mm. I'm like, "Yeah, bro." I was, we were talking, <laughs> we were talking tactics with them, man. Kenner was telling me, "Nah, don't do it." I was like, "Bro, wow." So, yeah. All people, uh, nah, fair, nah, fair, man. Fair. He, I mean, yeah, good, good that you man are safe. That's uh, the most important thing. But it, it's not something that you expect to to see or hear about, especially given the 
the occasion. Obviously, people are, are desperate to, to watch a, a big game, a big final, um, the biggest club game of the season. But at the same time, there just seemed to be a, a total disregard for people's livelihood, which is not anything. That's not something that you, you want to see in any, you know, in any sort of atmosphere. So for me, yeah, it's, it's not acceptable at any level. I mean, if, even if you take football out of it, it's just not something that you you support or or want to be a part of, especially you know should you know kids being involved, um, elder people, elderly people. Yeah, man, it's just uh, yeah. I, I thought it was all a bit of a mess, to be honest. Yeah, I I agree, I agree, and Toast, I want to get your views on this as well because this is this isn't the first time this happened. Let's be completely honest; like it happened at Wembley with the Euro final. This is becoming a worrying trend now. I get it's for the major occasions, but this is becoming more prevalent. Just ban- bands are taking as many chances as they can. The authorities obviously aren't preparing themselves nearly enough or nearly well enough, really. Like, what do you think? Is this a worrying trend? Is it something that's going to be stopped easily? Like, what do you think of the causes of it? 100%, man. I mean, like, I think... Um it's just been a it's been a weird like month and a half or so obviously it's kind of really started with like fans in england coming onto the pitch um that's been like weird in itself it was one i mean it's i guess it's it's a tradition but then it suddenly turned to players being attacked and then obviously we have which is the biggest the biggest um, club game in in football you know happening and um fans like not being able to kind of get into um, the stadium in a, in a safe way and um, in, in safe surroundings. Um, the kickoff having to be delayed as a result by like what 35, 40 minutes. Just absolutely ridiculous, man. I mean, you, you'd think like uh, a country um, where football is, su- is, is such a crucial, such a big part of their culture that they would kind of have come more correct. Like, so yeah, the French government, French police, definitely very, very um, disappointed, like from what I read. And to be honest, yeah, obviously, again. You always have to kind of put rivalries aside in these sort of situations because obviously, it, yeah, the circumstances that a lot of those Liverpool fans looked like they were in, they didn't look particularly great. Um, I should, like in terms of like the gap where um, uh, people were trying to get into the stadium, like it, it looked very, very small, and like, it just it was just handled completely wrong. And you, you, these sort of things happen. Like obviously, like I feel like disasters are unfortunately quite um, synonymous with Liverpool. So we're obviously just glad that there wasn't like another one, you know. Yeah, 100%. 100%. Um, right, I don't want to spend any more time on that. I think we have completely covered that. I hope UEFA work on it. I don't think they will, but we have to live in a false hope of that. Um, we've got to move on to the game itself. I thought it was a cracking game. It was a great final. I think for myself, it went pretty much about as expected. Liverpool came out from the opening kickoff. They were pressing high. They were dominating possession. They were creating the number. They created so many chances. But there was one man that was not going to be let them get through. The man I truly hate. Well, one of the men I truly hate in football, Thibaut Courtois. Um, Prez, I want to speak to you about him because he was a one-man wall. I said it to my mates that I was watching the game with when he saved that Mane one. He wasn't... His post-game interview at the end, he was talking about putting some respect on his name, particularly from English journalists. For me, it's the greatest performance ever in a Champions League final by a keeper. Like that's the highest praise I can give him, and the words coming out of my mouth I want to throw up. So it's much, bad, but... you, it? <laughs> oh, honestly, God! Like 
I mean, Drew's not going to be excited, but when we talk about Liverpool losing this game, and I feel like I don't want to be talking about Courtois winning this game for Madrid. <laughs> but please, stop me in my suffering. What did you think of him? Nah, unreal performance, man. Honestly. Um, how many shots did uh, Liverpool end up taking in the end? Was it 20, I, what, 25 20, shots? 24, I think, yeah. 24 yeah, shots. I think Courtois made 10 saves. It was most ever in nine, the Premier League. Nine. Nine. Was it nine? nine? Nine. And they were, from what I remember, the, all the saves that he made were pretty extraordinary I mean yeah worthy man of the match I don't think um, Real are Champions League winners without Courtois yeah I think for me defensively just you know taking a little bit of time away from Courtois defensively I think uh, Real Madrid were pretty clued up um, and I think they used their experience in a lot of situation although they faced so many shots I think in a lot of key moments they were they were uh, very very well um, organized defensively um, but yeah uh, Courtois unbelievable unbelievable performance so like, like I say that that Mane save that's going to live rent free in my head for a no. while forget the two Salah ones just that one on the turn because they de- they definitely clued up more in the second half the defense like toes like yeah, yeah. they moved up but let, let's talk about the de- I want to talk about some of the unsung heroes in that team Danny Carver Howe mm. had an excellent game like we are giving Louis Diaz his plaudits and deservedly <laughs> so but Danny Carver Howe that was the first time I saw Louis Diaz locked up like hundred yeah, percent had him in jail over him hundred percent and it's funny because he's definitely like the sort he. When he gets into like a personal battle with a, a player, he's somebody that is just going to kick him non-stop. He's going to get like a potentially like an early yellow card. He's that sort of player because he plays with so much aggression, but he played with a lot of control, man. Almost as if Angelotti kind of spoke to him and said, you know what, like this Diaz is in form. We're going to need you for 90 minutes here, man. And yeah, I mean, to be honest, he pocketed him, man. It got, it had people on Twitter calling Diaz the meddling Balassi, man. It was, <laughs> it was yeah. yeah, it was pretty brutal, man. I'm not going to lie. I mean, all respect to Balassi, obviously. But um, yeah, no, credit, credit to um, uh, Carvajal, man. He, he was brilliant. Um, Alaba leading by example as well, like just with so much experience. But I mean, yeah, I mean, we, we've, we've spoken, we've spoken on it. Um, Whatever that defense does, without kind of having the the fifth man, Courtois, um, I, I don't think it makes a difference, man. Like Courtois was just just unbelievable, man. Like like the uh, the Salah one, the last one, man. And honestly, like right foot, the way Salah brought the ball down was just ugh, out of this world, man. And he chopped it onto his right foot, and then Courtois just pushed it around the post, man. Yeah, unbelievable save, just yeah from top to bottom. Like con- congratulations to Real, man, because it was a very good defensive and goalkeeping performance that that Salah shot yeah it reminded me a lot of the shot that he took against um against City what you know where he's uh he's dancing feet goal yeah and he smacked it across uh with his right across goal with his right foot and it obviously um went in that time the shot was very very similar yeah and um yeah this time obviously Courtois was was up to the challenge man unbelievable yeah I think like what what really stood out for me with Courtois is that he couldn't kick the ball that on that night. Mm. He like you think of the modern day keeper like Alison and Edison are prime examples of it that can actually play with the ball at their feet. Courtois cannot do that to save his life. But as a traditional goalkeeper of doing his one job of keeping the ball out of the net, he like say, like he wasn't to be stopped. I think it was the there was a hotter chance, or Hotter was just about to run onto it, and Courtois could have saved it with his left hand. 
but realised he wasn't going to get enough on it to turn it round the post, so pushed his right hand out with it as well in yeah. quick speed. That was and great. it's just, yeah, it was just, you sit there, it's like, it's not the best save he made, but that's probably the smartest one where he's just given his team that almost time to settle in, even if it's just organised for a corner. Um, one other name I wanted to bring up, it was a man that assisted the goal, Fede Valverde. Mm. I, like His job was so basic of just get up and down that pitch. Mm-hmm. Don't stop your legs moving until you physically can't anymore. And just as, yeah, like... I think that Madrid team, if you could really sell it, I don't know if you boys agree or disagree, but review them, is that they all did their individual jobs. Absolutely. They weren't complicated. It was just doing the basics so well. Like, they just did enough. I mean, that's that's how I reviewed that team, really. They just did enough. To all, get knew, all knew their roles and they were all playing for each other, man. Totally agree, man. I think I think they all knew it was going to be a very tough game. Liverpool were definitely going to kind of dominate possession, probably have the most chances, but there was definitely just an element of control which they kept throughout the whole game, man. It's just it's the heritage, man. Yeah. It was also something like Ed and Militao like getting a header yeah. away and just celebrating it, like pumping each other. Every up. single challenge, every single header he celebrated, man. It was so funny. Man was the favela Chiellini. He just <laughs> <laughs> um we might as well move to the light of the show, the light of the Madrid show, Benzema. He had his goal disallowed. Drew, did it, should it have been allowed? And he's awful. In my, in my opinion, it should have been. Um, obviously, they, they came out with the rule that if the... if What did they say? If if the... If it's not deliberate. I don't first, understand that first, first of all, if you have a careful look here, it, obviously, it was it, Fabinho wasn't deliberately meant to um, ricochet it to Benzema, but he kind of put his knee towards the ball, yeah, like to get it away from Valverde. You could you could actually see it, and it went to Benzema, and it was a legitimate goal. And the reason why I was like at the time, like live view, because I watched the full game again the next day, but at the time I was pretty angry about it. It's because like. Um, obviously, you know, you don't want it to be a goal, but shit like this can happen to your team in it, and then you'll be vexed. And yeah. there needs to be like a universal rule for things like this. Like, what is the rule? Let it be clear. There's been so many situations where, like, even like things like that, deflections, and then they don't count it as an offside, you know. So I think Benzema was hard done by. Um, that was his only sniff, to be honest, but. It is what it is. Um, Didn't the, way. the linesman flag almost straight away? Like, I think the linesman f- flagged for the for that pass. You know the initial pass. Oh, the initial one. Yeah, yeah, I think he flagged for that, but that wasn't that was nowhere near offside. It's a great run. Uh, I think for me with that rule, I think Toast was just about to bring it up. Is that it's just the and what you just said, Drew, as well. It's just too ambiguous, like to not deliberately play the ball because, in my viewpoint, there. If he's not deliberately playing the ball, then he's going in to make a foul. If you see what I mean, like because they're, they're the only two options he's got when you're sliding in the box. You're either going to get the ball or you're going to get the man. So I don't know if that's maybe a bit of an oversimplification, but yeah, I I thought it was incredibly harsh on Benzie. Yeah, and of course the second half came, as did the Liverpool goal. Drew, they. Mm. We have had a lot of over-analysis, in my viewpoint, on Trent's role for that goal. Mm-hmm. Do you put the blame at his door for it? 
Um, it's a hard one, man. Initially, yes. Initially, yes. I blame Trent. <laughs> um, but then obviously watching the game again, I think there's a there's a lot that goes on before even before it even gets to that point. Uh, first of all, obviously, um, Robbo being all the way in the other half, trying to press Modric. Uh, like the, the whole game, the, the whole play before that goal was brilliant. If you if you watch it again, Modric taking out three men with one pass and then Valverde, amazing run. And then if you look at the, if you pause it at the point where Valverde um, crosses it and you see it from the angle where you see like Trent, Konate and Van Dijk. So Konate and Van Dijk obviously are on the, in the same line, um, and Trent is literally centimeters behind Konate. So all Trent had to do, even, even if he, even if he's not, if he, even if he hasn't got a clue where Vinicius is, Step just up. follow this, the follow the center back line. Even if you haven't got a clue, follow the center back line because what's going to happen if Valverde is in that position nine out of ten times, he's going to cross. He's not going to shoot. He's going to cross. So all you have to do is step up. That's Yeah, he missed that by like a few yards and it cost him. Let's not take anything away from um, the cross as well. Because as soon as that cross went in, I told Kennedy, it's, it's a goal. Before even Vinicius touched it, I was like, this is a goal. Because that cross was superb. Like ADB, Steven Gerrard-esque. Like, yeah. I would yeah. just no, Okay, KDB-esque. But, <laughs> um, yeah, so I don't want to take anything away from, from, from Valverde in that particular instance. I can see why people would blame Trent. Um, I get it. Look over your shoulder. Um, but it's, it's a little bit frustrating because he actually... But there's a lot more, there's a lot more that could have been done to prevent, prevent that goal before, before even that cross goes in. Yeah, for me. but, I mean, just looking at Trent and maybe the part he played... If you look at just in the lead up to the cross going in, as you say, um, and when, you know, Vinicius and him are kind of arriving in the box together, mm-hmm. he he has a look over his shoulder at Vinicius mm-hmm. just, bef- just before. So it's like he knows he's there. Yep. So why doesn't he act on it? Because he tried to play the offside, but he uh, just wasn't in line enough with the other two centre-backs. And, and I think that was his main mistake rather than pre and Vinicius because Vinicius is going to be there unless you're going to rugby tackle him or unless you're going to I don't know like be closer to him mm. he wasn't going to he, w- he wasn't doing that so I think he was playing for the offside but he wasn't he wasn't sharp enough with that and that may have cost him I I, I don't know man I, I didn't really see it like that I, I felt as if he he did neither or maybe he because mm. he, yeah like Press said um, when, when before they arrived in the box he had a check over his shoulder they arrive in the box and then obviously he doesn't turn back to Vinicius at any point, but then he doesn't really like make like a conscious effort to move his feet and step mm. up like you mm. normally would expect. So it was almost mm. as if he was caught in two minds and then everything just happened so fast. Exactly. Because the ball came quick. You can't even, it's demos yeah. where if you, if you try to touch it, it's own, it's an own goal. Yeah. Mm. It's, it's peak, man. For, like... for me, in those situations, man, I always feel like the defender should take care of the situation so what, what what i mean by that is if you can see vinicius is coming into the box behind you you have to basically just go in vinicius's space so if the ball comes across at least you can just cut it out for a corner yeah. like the fact that he, he just let it come across his body 
for me was just crazy, especially knowing yeah. that someone was behind him. Like it's the fear of the unknown. And for me, I mean, I, I had to put it down to a Trent mistake, man. And yeah, I, I hate it had to be him, honestly, because um, yeah, like I said, I, I do think he gets um, unfair stick for his defending. But I mean, yeah, it, it was definitely a mental lapse. Like no question. Yeah, it, it, yeah, yeah. I think besides that, defensively, he was brilliant that game. Going forward, not so much. But I think defensively, other than that particular thing, yeah. I think he was good. He dealt with Vinicius um, pretty well other than that. He did. Honest. He yeah. did. Um, and even Benzema a few points as well. So, yeah, I, yeah, he's young, man. He's twenty three. He's gonna, he's gonna, he's gonna get here again. But yeah, that that was criminal, man. What do you think? I mean, obviously, yeah, we've pinpointed Trent's uh, part in this, but you obviously said that there were multiple defensive um i guess lapses that could have led to the goal what do you what do you think of uh vvd's part uh in that yeah i saw that i saw the chat about that and i was so confused about people just mm. chatting shit Agenda, <laughs> because <yeah. laughs> because the thing is like the thing is um cool so we were talking about robo doing head loss being played out the game the ball goes to valverde um Henderson and Fabinho are trying to run back. Um, Carvalho's on the overlap, who's way faster than those two midfielders. So this means that mm. VVD is defending two people. Yeah, VVD is already anticipating he's, he needs to defend um, Carvajal, um, Carvajal and Valverde, who's on the ball, right? Yeah. He knows that Fabinho and Henderson are coming. So someone, so someone needs to deal with that ball. It's not going to be Van Dijk because he needs to pattern the situation. The overlap happened, so Van Dijk was caught in two minds. Like, mm. let me at least um, block that pass so that he's not going to pass it to him, so that that w it will it will become an easy cross. Yeah, I think um, Fabinho or Henderson, but Fabinho was there actually. He was slightly too late, and yeah, people want to blame Van Dijk for, by saying that ah oh, he should have um, been more aggressive <laughs> and gone to gone to Valverde at the start. They, That's they're, cap. They're, they're calling him Van Delegate, man. Van Delegate. You should have. You should have. You should have gone to Valverde. You should have. That's yeah, all cap, no. man. Be serious. In, in all fairness, yeah, I did actually have a chance to rewatch it, and you're totally right. Like it looked like he wasn't engaging Valverde, but actually, um, he was accounting he, for the, the overlap, overlap. coming yeah. from Carvajal. So he, but it was just the way. It's like the way he stuck his leg out. They tried to compare it to uh, you know, see a Maguire. Uh, bro, come on, man. Bro, Van Dyke, Van, bro, Van Dyke, yeah. Fabinho was late. Yeah. Simple. But he was slow, he was slower. And um obviously you what Van Dyke did was like, you I'm not gonna let you pass it to Carvajal, so mm -hmm. you do what you need to do. And Donny did what he did, <laughs> and so, they would they would have corned him for that. Like if he if he went out to Valverde and he allowed them to make use of the Carvajal overlap, they would exactly, have corned him for yeah. that anyway. So exactly. Yeah. But in hindsight, that probably would have been the better play. You reckon? Maybe that wouldn't have resulted in a goal. Yeah, because because he he actually saw everything develop, so he could yeah. have actually got got out to Valverde as soon as he received the ball. But I mean, it's all hindsight, man. Yeah, I mean the fact that the cross actually went behind him meant mm. that he was almost engaging that like the overlap more than the crosser. Exactly. Yeah, it was just, it was just but, but you have, but but in that situation when it's a when when you're a defender and it's a two v one, you have to you have to think about the overlap before you think about the person that has the ball. Agreed. Yeah. You have yep. to. So 
that's one oh one defending. So for me, Van Dijk did nothing wrong in that situation. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll just finalize by saying I think it's Robbo's fault. I'll, I'll be completely honest. Yeah, yeah for me as well. He's my number one corporate man. My, <laughs> the energy I have for it is that Trent was the handbrake of the car. He could have stopped it finally, and he didn't. But Robbo could have just put the brakes on and stopped it before it even happened. And like he was just, he was well out of position, and for me, did not get near enough back. Like it just looked like he was jogging it back in, whereas Henson looked like he was sprinting for his life. But even Robbo on the technical level in that game, mm, mm. yeah, yeah. And Robbo's my guy, but mm, I was like. Bring on Simicas or someone because I'll, yeah, nah, why man. is he not breaking his neck there in that position, man? Like, <sighs> I think he, he not... just realized he was not getting back. Like, he 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 was relying on Virgil van Delegate, as some <laughs> apparently are calling him, but he and, was relying on Henderson and Fambino. Yeah, 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 he was re- he was relying on other people. He saw how far he was back, and it's like either they're gonna do the job or they're not. I'm not gonna get they're not gonna be able to delay it enough for me to get back, but it is what it is. Um. Andy, I want to talk about the selection dilemma at the start of the game. The Madrid game, the Madrid team, sorry, I think we all knew was pretty nailed on, right? Whereas Liverpool had, I think, a couple of injury concerns, but if they were going to play, they did, as Fabinho and Thiago did. But it was Canate or Matip. Mm. We obviously saw Canate chose. I thought that w- that worked out brilliantly. Like he was, he took on for me Vinicius fantastically. Like that was that one way ha- Vinicius had him one on one a couple of times. Mm-hmm. And he dealt with him superbly. I, I mean, the kid's what twenty-two years old. That was his first loss in a Liverpool shirt. I, mm-hmm. What did you think of the choice? Do you think Matty could have done any better? Yeah, <laughs> to be honest, uh, for me, like I, we was we was discussing this with the Liverpool fans as well, and we all came to uh, this consensus that obviously we we would probably prefer Konate in terms of like his skill set. He's fast. Um, and he's a bit more aggressive than uh, Matip, so he can handle the Benzema and Vinicius a bit more than Matip. But Matip is equally as good, even though he has deficiencies in terms of pace and that. But he makes up for us for his long strides, his long legs, um, his clean tackle. So for me, for us, it, it, it didn't really matter for Liverpool fans, to be honest. But I'm really happy that Konate started in his hometown. Um and to put up a performance like that, I think like he's probably the only one that can yeah hold his head high, man, in that final. In terms of like, um, he did what he had to do for the ninety minutes. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. Um, Prez, I want to come to you with the other selection dilemma. Then, um, so highlight I hinted at it just then. Tiago, he came into it injured. They have the warm up. We're told that he then looked hampered in the warm-up as well we have mm. no clue if he was actually going to start he did he put in i think it was 70 75 minutes but yeah. before kater came on for him what did you think his impact on the game was because we were told by kenna in this podcast if tiago started that game liverpool were winning but jay come i know <laughs> no no i'm not i'm not saying that as a gender <laughs> point because he got injured in the warm-up yeah, right. he, I, I can easily yeah. see that. And he but then he starts. Look- he starts. He starts whilst being clearly off it. You see yeah. it, bro. But that, that's yeah, what no, I'm saying. I think like, that's, do you that's think the Klopp point. made the decision? Do you think? He okay, yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Or mm. do you think he should have played Kater from the start? Because I, I looked at him. And you could see it after five, ten minutes, he was mm. moving. He was getting where he needed to be. But, but it was not. Was... It was not. It was not the same minute. No, 
Definitely not. At least in my viewpoint. What about yours, Prez? Yeah, no, echoing, echoing what Andy said, I think it was um, obviously the importance of the player to uh, Liverpool's season and, you know, his performances in, in, in key games across the season. You want him to play. Uh, gives you the best chance of, of you know, winning. However, I think uh, a decision had to be made for the greater good of the team in terms of do you play someone that's clearly off it, clearly not up to full fitness, um, or do you hope that he's able to still provide the quality um, and performance that you need uh, for 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 uh, for the team? And unfortunately, the gamble uh, didn't pay off, and and Thiago didn't give us his best self, and it was clearly reflected in his performance, um, unfortunately. And even for him to come out, um, you know. And and play play the second half was probably something that maybe that looking be. yeah looking in looking in hindsight probably should have pulled the plug a little bit earlier on that um, and and brung uh, cater on earlier but it is what it is man yeah that's fair enough fair enough um right I've got one more question to ask you boys before we move on from the game Madrid won their fourteenth I think nine of their players in this team had won their fifth Champions League. We're talking the likes of obviously Modric, Cruz, Casemiro, and of course Gareth Bale holding up mm-hmm. that five. What a shit house picture that's going to be. Um, <laughs> but in your opinion, who do you boys think has got a more likely chance of making it to Turkey next year for the final? Madrid or Liverpool? I'll start with you, Drew. <laughs> well, I mean, both, to be honest. Um, I, for, I, for one, did not expect Real Madrid to be lifting the cup, let alone be in Paris this season. But we've seen, um, you know, in the manner, in the, the gods, in the spirits, in, in the way they operate. Uh, so, of course, yeah, they can do it again if they, if they keep, yeah, yeah, if they keep the core of their team, if they add a few more players to, to their ageing midfield especially. Um, I think both teams can make it again to Istanbul. Why not? Oh, but who most likely? Come on, Drew. Which one? Oh, most likely. Oh, most likely. Of course, I would say my team because, I mean, it's difficult, man. It's difficult because both teams in the past six years have made it to the finals, final a lot. So, I don't know. To be honest, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not. I don't know. Do you think First? the? Do you think the? Yeah. Do you think the money factor? You know. I mean. Depending I mean, on... for me, in terms of Liverpool, mm-hmm. as long as I've supported Liverpool, we've always replaced our stars yeah, yeah, yeah. adequately. So I'm yeah. not, I'm, I'm not even worried about the Mane. If we sell him, we sell him. I just hope we get a good price and then Bukayo Saka. <laughs> because the only reason I, I, and you, you are very, very correct in saying Liverpool replace stars adequately, but I'm just thinking of it from like a. I guess a match winner perspective, like Mane yeah. is, is 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 very much a match winner, and and those players are, are sometimes quite hard to replace. But I yeah, guess you yeah, could, nah, you, you I hear could, you. But yeah. but what that what that calls is for the others to step up. Yeah. Jota, you know, he scored a lot of goals, but you know the things that I've been saying about Jota. I hope you guys are seeing it now. Like, mm. yeah, he <laughs> he needs yeah. to step up next season, bro. He needs to do it, and Luis Diaz needs to. Got everything, just needs to find the scoring scoring touch. Yeah, I'm not worried, man. I just don't want to see 30 million for Mane. It needs to be a lot more. 50. Yeah. Something like that. Mm-hmm. Perez, what about you? 
um, who do I think is more likely to reach the final yeah. between? Yeah, uh, to be honest, I think it's more likely to be Liverpool. Um, looking at Real and uh, the run that they've had, um, you know, this is like a, a god level type of performance in in pretty much all performances in all rounds. Um, the teams that they've had to face and uh, the the deficits they've had to overcome. I don't, you know, I'm not saying that they're going to find themselves in those positions again, but it just shows that, you know, that PSG game, they looked pretty much dead <laughs> and buried. Do you know what I mean? Like with, um, uh, you know, so many occasions where Mbappe just looked like he was going to take the game over, but they came back and, and fought um, with, you know, some some awesome spirit. So, you just think that some some runs that happen in the Champions League are just those historic runs that you can look back on and be like, raw, that yeah. was amazing. But it's not something that can be replicated season after season. So if we just look at just team by team, which team do I think is likely to be back in the in the final, then yeah, it would be Liverpool. Right, and toast from you. Um, I th- I th- yeah, Liverpool have always done really well, to be fair, in terms of replacing their stars. Um, but man, it's it's tough, you know. I mean, to bounce back to, to get to another Champions League, it's, it's not going to be easy, man. And again, like the the heritage will always be there with Real, man. So I mean, for now, I'll say Real, but I, I, I do want to see the moves Liverpool make in the summer. Yeah, I think my viewpoint is that my head says Liverpool, my heart says Madrid. I think that's that's the easiest way I can put it. All my logical side of myself says that Liverpool got a much better chance. But Madrid, like I think we can all say Madrid, how they got to this final is crazy enough. So can would I rule them getting to another one out? Absolutely not. And that's probably why if you if I had a gun to my head, I'd say Madrid, purely because they just pull off stuff that is seemingly naive. no other team in the world can. Live Madrid. Yeah. Magic, man. There it is. Right. We need to move on. So we had the Champions League final in this get this weekend. The next day, we had the most expensive game in all of football, the championship playoff final. Wembley was packed to the brim with Nottingham Forest and Huddersfield fans, both looking for their return to the Premier League. I think Huddersfield haven't been there in the last three or four years. Forest haven't been back since 1999. Yeah. Toast, I want to go for you on this because you're my championship correspondent because I didn't get to watch the game, unfortunately. The most expensive game in football. Ha- give me your review of it. Um, to be honest, man, um, the championship playoff final is actually one of my favourite like fixtures on the calendar, man. Like, I usually have like a little bit of investment in kind of watching how the teams have kind of done on the way into the playoffs and then throughout the playoffs and in the final. Betting investment, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, you know, just general investment, isn't it, man? Let me not not speak too much. But, um, (laughs) like, obviously we've seen some really good ones in the past, like West Ham, Blackpool. We obviously saw Fulham Villa a couple of years ago. Obviously Brentford got promoted last year against Swansea. Um, This was actually one of the more underwhelming ones, if I'm completely honest. Um, Nottingham Forest went into the game as favourites. they have a star boy in Brennan Johnson who's been really, really good this year. Um, so I think everyone is quite excited to kind of see him play. I think overall, um, the the experience of the Nottingham Forest team kind of told. Um, up top, they had um, Keenan Davis, who's obviously an Aston Villa product. Um, you guys may recall Jack Colback played for um, Sunderland and Newcastle for some time. Steve Cook's obviously played for Bournemouth for a while. Um, obviously, James Garner, who had... Um, 
a who basically got the assist for the for the own goal. So obviously a United product, and then obviously there was Jed Spence who. I didn't actually watch the um, the Arsenal Nottingham Forest game because I mean I just don't even care about the FA Cup, but I heard that he had like a really good game in that game, so I was actually quite intrigued to see how he played, and he played he played really well. Um, so yeah, overall Nottingham Forest deserved it, man. Absolutely, um, the goal came from like a, a cross shot from uh, Ghana, um, and then unfortunately it was an own goal into the top corner. Huddersfield didn't have a shot on target. I mean, honestly, if this Huddersfield team had come to the Premier League, it would have been worse than like Derby 07. Like, I have no doubt about that. Like, wow. there, there was no one on the squad to speak of. So, um, yeah, uh, haven't they haven't been in the Prem since 1999. Um, European champions, you know. So, it's oh, good they're to and Forest is heritage, you know. It's, yeah, so it's, it's definite heritage coming back into the Prem. So, I look forward to um, opening day 2-1 Arsenal. So, well, not in the Forest Two, Arsenal One. Like it's, it's already, it's already written, man. It's already written. So I, I was about to say you've been very confident there about beating this not in the Forest. <laughs> no, nah, not in the Forest. I'm beating us, man. What are you talking about? <laughs> it's inter- It's interesting though, Toast, because obviously Jed Spence and, as you mentioned, uh, Jed Spence and James Garner are obviously low knees at the moment, and yeah. have been, from what I hear, quite p- pivotal to um, not in, not in a forest promotion charge so it'll be interesting to see um whether they can hang on to uh, those two players who's this yeah middlesbrough is his parent club and obviously um, ghana is united and from what Mm. i read um they're pretty confident that they can get like a permanent deal for for jed spence um in terms of ghana i mean again to be honest i i I looked him up and i see he's made maybe one or two league appearances for united which i I don't really recall i don't really know if he's going to really factor into Tenor Hugs um plans next year. But again, um it, it's great for him to have played there like uh, this year to have got that experience in it. And hopefully I feel like if you kind of help a team get up, the least you can do is kind of stay there for another year yeah, in the Premier League, man. It's, it's like it's the least you deserve, you know. So fingers crossed man. But yeah, congrats congratulations to Nottingham Forest. I do want to shout out Jed Spence and his Twitter account for adding Neil Warnock after it was brilliant. Yeah. It was brilliant, wasn't it? That's how you do it. That is how you do it. Cigar in hand with the trophy, straight at him. Fair, fair play. Now, like I, I wanted Forrest to come up, but I know Chelsea had a couple of loanies at Huddersfield. But I think, like you boys say, it's it's a heritage team. Like to see them come up, I think some of the fan displays. If you haven't seen them, check them out. They had put some proper displays on this year. Steve Cooper bringing team like Forrest. I don't know if you boys recall, but in September when he came in, they had lost six of their first seven games. They were rooted to the bottom of the table. To get yeah. to the playoffs after that start and then to win the playoffs, that's an almighty turnaround. I hope I hope they spend a decent amount of money and keep themselves up just for the name brand alone, to be honest. I honestly think like championship um like promotion is one of the hardest things to do in football. Like if you actually think about the, the Premier Gaza, League, brother. 38 games. If you get through the semis and the final, that's 49 <laughs> league games. That's just absolutely ridiculous. That's just like Tuesday night. Saturday Saturday afternoon, bro. Them year, man, man play through the international week. Everything, bro. You know, you don't want us playing that championship, mad. bro. So it's it's actually nuts. So yeah, mm. man. And to, to get to get promotion, it's 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 no mean feat, man. Well, just to follow on from that point as well, it's just the amount of teams that have like just imploded for chasing that promotion. Like you look at Derby now, dead in the water. Sheffield Wednesday, dead in the water. Like these teams sacrifice everything for that golden chance at the Prem. And not everyone can make it. And like I think you look at teams like Huddersfield and Nottingham Forest who are based on these big loan signings 
and especially Huddersfield, who are still suffering from like wages they spent in the Prem. Massively. Last chance saloon for some of these teams. So credit to Nottingham Forest. We'll welcome you guys. We'll ho- you'll hopefully be our whipping boys, but at the same time, I do hope you stay up. Um, finally, the last topic. We're recording this on a Monday, obviously, to release for the Tuesday. And the news came through today. The Chelsea sale has now finally... I say that with a sigh of relief, has <laughs> been confirmed. <laughs> Todd Burley and Clear Lake Capital have finally taken over. Prez, I can hear you sniggering, so I will go to you for this. Now that Chelsea have finally settled, what do you think this does for them in the short term? Like, Do you think they will actually move on? Do you think we're going to be seeing the spending habits like we are used to with the Abramovich team? Or ownership, should I say? I think, first of all, it just gives you that stability. So I think the... The you know the air of uncertainty around the club should slowly begin to ease, um, and you know just from a personnel perspective, from top to bottom, there'll be that like collective sigh of relief around the the club that you know okay we have uh, ownership now. Um, I guess people who might have been worried about job security and all the rumours going around about you know salary payments and you know all sorts of stuff around that you know that that can all be put to, to bed on one side and they can actually focus to focus on doing their jobs again um that goes for the players that goes for Tuchel the manager as well so in terms of spending i don't know you know what kind of you know spending habits or patterns should i say that this uh, the american owner um has however just from you know, experience of American ownership in the Premier League, you know, previously looking at the Glazers, etc. You know, they do have their, I guess, should I say their their ways of of doing things and how they decide to to make money available for for transfer uh, transfer windows. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how um, they handle it. And and uh, you know, it was quite remarkable the amount of money that Abramovich put into the club for for. Um, for spending so yeah let's see let's see what he's got man what they've got yeah 100 100 um I've, I've got one question i really and i, I want to pose it to all of you um so abramovich had 19 years in power we'll go with um <laughs> you think of all the managerial sackings you think of all the trophy you think of all the signings what does success look like for this ownership group in 20 years time Oof. That, that's a good question, ain't it? Yeah, at a bare minimum, match match what Abramovich did. What, yeah. In terms of trophies, sorry. In, in terms, terms of trophies. trophies, yeah. In terms of trophies, yeah. That would be difficult, I, man. This this twenty year stretch from Chelsea has been maybe one maybe one of the best in history, man. Like so, yeah. It's it's going to be difficult, man. Put it that way, but um, yeah. I'm intrigued to see if he's going to kind of give managers going forward a bit more leeway. Obviously, um. Abramovich was very much uh, uh, like a, a sharp knife in the sense that uh, obviously Di Matteo won the Champions League, got sacked. Mourinho uh, won two leagues, got sacked. Uh, came back, won a league, got sacked. So, yeah, a bit, uh, intrigued to see how he'll play it from from that standpoint, really. But um, to, to answer your question, man, yeah, again, like Chelsea have won multiple Champions Leagues, m- multiple. You've, you've won everything, actually, in, in this 20-year stretch, really. So, yeah, at a minimum, matching everything you've won. I I slightly disagree purely because I think the stadium is going to be changing and I think that gives you a bit of leeway. Like he's they've written it in the contract that they're going to be doing a stadium redevelopment. 
So I think that... Like a complete rebuild or um, extending the stands? Or... I think what they're going to do is they're going to do what Liverpool have done with Anfield and they're going to have to go stand by stand at a time. Because if you mm. look at Stamford Bridge or if you've ever been to it, you can't go anywhere. There's yeah. nowhere. There is literally nowhere to go. Like I think like the current... I don't know if you boys remember when they did a plan a couple of years ago, but that was like we were going to have to buy everything around the area and just make it like a proper complex. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think what they've decided now is they can't go any higher. So they're going to have to go into London itself. They're going to have to go deeper and then build the stadium in there. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be stand by stand. Like it's, it's going to be a weird project because, I mean, Stamford Bridge hasn't changed for years. Like we've made it look more modern, but the actual area itself. So it's a positive to see that go through. I think success for this team. Well, yeah, like. I think the trophy front, we still have to be competing for trophies. We mm. can't do what the Glazers have done to United, whereas it's just slow. They have just slowly drained the life and soul out of it. And I'll be positive and hope they don't. Like, judging from their ownership record with their American franchises, <laughs> they seem like they still like to spend the money. But I think we can all agree the American owners have their loyalties to the bottom line yeah. and to their profit margin yeah. before it's to their success. So if they can make us more profitable to allow us to have that success at the start, fantastic. But if not, then I think we're going to see a slow bleed. And I'm not looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to us winning more more trophies to show off. That is definite. Um, right, boys, it's the end of the episode. We are, we are heading to the bar. I think it's been a very long season. It's been a very... Well, I'll say very good season, but as a Chelsea fan, it's been up and down to say the least. But there has been loads to happen. It's definitely been a memorable one. Who's got some shots for me? <laughs> to be honest, I've got a shot. Yeah, I got one as well. Right, I've got then. a shot yeah. to um I don't know their names, but during the Liverpool parade yesterday in in, uh, in Liverpool, there was this man and his son. Um obviously his son was super excited to see his heroes coming back into town, whereas the dad was absolutely fuming, and there was they were interviewing him. <laughs> that Don did not want to be there in it. <laughs> it was so funny. I was laughing my head off, and the kid was so excited. So I want to take a shot to you know the dad in it because I hear you, bro. Like one day after <laughs> after the Champions League, L, they want to come and do parade in my city. All happy in that. It's but, yeah, nah, I hear him, I hear him. Uh, another shot to, obviously, obviously Liverpool actually doing the parade as well because that could have been a very sticky situation. Uh, but I understand why they did it. Um, and as a Liverpool fan, I think they had to do it. They had to show that, obviously, that, you know, this season has not been what it's meant to be. Um, but obviously, thanks to Jake and his people, we did not end up trophyless. Half a million people showed out. <laughs> half half a million people uh, showed out in the city. That's you know, like three I mean, times three times city's uh, thing. So shout out, you know. You can't you can't fault Liverpool's fans, man. I mean, if there's one thing, it's they're going to come out in their numbers, man. Whether that's yeah. to an away game, like a neutral game, a parade, like Christ, man. Like, it's, like the whole city comes out, man. So yeah, I was impressed, man. So yeah, shout out them, man. My shot goes to them. 
My my shot is very simple, man. Vinicius Junior, man. He say mm. football, man. He say football. <laughs> like, I mean, from he say from, football. <laughs> Benzema told us. He, he told Mendy a couple years ago that don't pass to this Don. He's working against us, you know. So for him to have that, the remontada, man, it, it's beautiful to see. Like man, man, yeah. He say football. So thank you, Vinicius, man. Great, great finish. Very good c- controlled finish. Great run, man. Yeah, well deserved. Is anything from you? Nah, just I'm just laughing thinking about the turnaround to, that Toast has pointed out. Benzi, man said, on oh, my mama, this guy is playing <laughs> against us. <man." laughs> Can you imagine what a turnaround, man? Honestly, shout out him, man. Shout out him. Um, it was it was the same Liverpool that that made him turn his game around as well. If you guys yeah. remember yeah. last year. Do. Thank Boy. you, Rosan Kabak, for letting him do whatever he wanted that day. <laughs> yeah, Kabak, um, Kabak and Trent. <laughs> um, my shot, we didn't mention him in the early analysis and that I have been thinking about that ever since we closed it, but it has to be the Don Carlo. The man mm. is constantly underappreciated. It's, I think it was the same as the Dan, where every time you hear about Carlo's management, it's, oh yeah, he just asks the players what they would be comfortable doing and lets them do it. And to say he is a serial winner, I think underestimates his career brilliantly. Like, what is it now? Three Champions Leagues as a manager, two as a player. He's won a league title in ev- all top five major leagues. The only one to do that. What an amazing CV. He's won, he's won four champs. He's got four. Yeah, he's, he's, the, re- four. he's the, re- the record holder now, isn't he? Yeah, oh, four. I apologise. apologise. Yeah, Sorry, I thought it was three. There we go. See, underestimating him again. Like, <laughs> he does not deserve it. Like, he seems like a fantastic bloke as well. Yeah. So, my, my shot goes out to him. A true legend of the game. And just continues to do it. And I hope he continues to manage. Um, <laughs> listeners, thank you ever so much. For joining us in this season we're obviously going to keep going throughout the transfer season as there is so much to talk about already and we'll cover that all very soon for you um thank you for everyone that participated in our fantasy league i was so close to winning it but unfortunately we didn't so shout out to our winner harvard we'll get back to you real soon and we'll be running it again next year but my name's jake thank you ever so much for listening in it's been a pleasure boys Give it up. Peace. Take Peace. Peace, people. Hala Madrid. Hala Madrid. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kyle.